0: And then uh, today we're going to further this conversation. So the collection of talks today is going to be around marriage. Okay, there was, some conver- there was some text that came in about marriage, the design of marriage, uh, when can I divorce, stuff like that, okay? And so uh, when you get into the trenches, I'm a pastor that will advocate for the design that God has. Rather than going towards dysfunction and releasing somebody from dysfunction, I want to move towards, I want to encourage people towards function, and then last resort, have the conversation on separation. So here's the deal. Because it's such a big conversation, next week, I'm going to talk solely about divorce, when it's okay to have divorce, whatever it may be, the situation, circumstances, so on. That's going to be its own conversation for one week. It's going to be sticky. It's going to be messy, um, but it's going to be good because there are times in which it is biblical to separate, okay? And we're going to have that Soul conversation next week. Now, God hates divorce. Let no man separate. We're going to read that today. Let no man separate what God has brought together. But there are are times whenever a divorce is necessary. So we're going to talk about all next week. Today, we're just going to talk about marriage. Okay? Now, if you are a young person inside of here, you are a single, what I'm saying is lean into this conversation here today because if you don't count the cost, you will be a statistic. If you don't count the cost, you will just become a number. 60% of marriages are ending in divorce today. 60% of marriages didn't walk into that marriage day like, I'm going to get divorced someday. (laughs) 60% walked in there, or 100% walked in there like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm going to spend my whole life with this person. We're going to have chanquitos and chanquitas. It's going to be amazing. We're going to build life. (laughs) And then things happen. And then all of a sudden, there's a separation. Okay. So if you're single, young, lean into this conversation, take a lot of notes because you have to count the cost. If you do not count the cost, you'll become a number and the enemy will be counting you as a part of his statistics. We don't want that. How many of you guys in here have ever been married or are married? Come on, Ever been married or are married? Cool. A majority of us. All right. Good. So I'm talking to a few people here today and we're going to get into some good stuff you are going to take notes, right? this across the top of your paper, marriage design. Marriage design. There is a design behind marriage, but anytime there's a design that God has a design behind something, man always tries to mess it up. We just, we, lo- we royally love to screw things up. God's design, we got a better idea, right? It's, a, it's, it's, it's our humanity. It's what's happened from the beginning. Uh, poor leadership in the beginning led Adam to partake in what God said not to partake in. It was poor leadership. By Adam that he he gave in to the recommendation and or the temptation. Ma- poor leadership. So anytime you see dysfunction in marriage, it's tied to poor leadership. Leadership is necessary for marriage to be successful. Now, how many of you guys have ever been in a place in your life where you started something but you didn't count the cost? You ever, you ever started something thinking it was going to cost X amount of dollars? You thought, but you didn't They'd like think it all the way out? Do you ever get into something you thought you thought you had all of the tools necessary to do the project and you realized you did not? Right? Anybody ever start school thinking you were going to get it done in 4 years and you, you still haven't got it done yet. <laughs> right? How many times have you stepped into something and you're like, "Oh, it's going to be easy." And you got in and you're like, "This ain't so easy." Right? You thought and then you're experiencing you're like, "Oh, man, I wish I just go back to high school." Right? I wish I could just go back to living in my mama's house, right, mama and dad's house. Yeah, there's a lot of things in life where we jump into that. Now, I'm in an experience right now where I jumped into a project Heather and I are building at the worst time you could ever build a house in the history of humanity, and we're building right now. Luckily, we're still married, but it's given us a lot of opportunity, and me a lot of opportunity to be prepared for this message today. <laughs> we promise we still love each other, right, babe? Most of the time. I love you. I do. Uh, now, marriage, where was that? <laughs> she wasn't in the last service. I could stay my train of thought. And I just look at her, I'm like, dang, it like, takes me places. But um, sorry. Uh, so, no, um, so we jump into projects. We can jump into things. And I jumped into this project. We're building a house right now. And. Uh, we want to run cat, five, cat 6 cables to all of our TVs for quick interaction. You don't want to go through the Wi Fi network, overload the Wi Fi network, and you got slowed speeds. The last thing you want to do as a husband have slow speeds for your wife because she's told me over the time this darn TV's not working because the Wi Fi's not connected. Fix this thing. So I'm just doing what I need to do in order to make sure the marriage is good for the next however long we live in this house. Now I thought something was going to take a day to run all this cable, and here we are, two miles worth of cable later. And four days in, roughly 30 hours of my time, and I'm still not done. We got time. We, we, we think something's going to be one thing, but by experience, it's something different. You know, David and I were up in the, like, pulling these cables together and doing all this stuff. And I'm up in the attic and, like, sweating my backside all thinking, what in the world am I doing right now? There's people that I could pay to do this that love it, and I hate it, Right? There's things that we don't count the full cost on it. And you know, oftentimes in marriage, we don't necessarily count the full cost, right? If you're a young person in here, there's this idea on what you have about marriage, but then there's us that are married and we know what it's like, right? Please come and talk to us. Be like, what is your thoughts on marriage or what do you think it's gonna be like? We'll help you quickly get a reality. Now, I'm not saying we're gonna discourage you, We're just going to help you have the right information necessary that maybe you'll step into the marriage counting the cost and not being surprised by the experience. Because it's this beautiful thing, this incredible thing that God has designed and planned and created, but sometimes we ourselves aren't necessarily ready for the thing in which God has called us to be a part of. And when we think we're good, we'll step in. in the deficiency, now we're facing pain. And there's another person that gets to be a mirror to say, you're, you're not good. And now all of a sudden we have this, oh, okay, well, I need to get better. I got to grow. I thought I had it together. But there's a realization that something is not working here. You know, I think sometimes we can look at marriage like a job sometimes, you look at a job, you go into a job, you first get the job, you're thinking, this is the greatest thing ever. I got a new job, all this opportunity. I'm We're gonna, It's going to be this crazy, amazing. They're paying me to hold down a responsibility. Man, I want this company to succeed. The mission, I am behind this thing. I'm going to hold my responsibility so we can be good. And the mission of this thing, I'm, I'm good. What happens? We get into the job. Now we have some experiences. Now we have a responsibility. Now we've got to show up. We got people that are, you know, our boss that's telling us we're doing things wrong. You're like, shut up. I don't, I don't, yeah, get, get out my back. You know, you have, we have all this experience. And now all of a sudden, what we could start doing is the job, rather than being excited about the mission of the company, we start to care only about the position we have on the team. We, we, we'll begin to believe that our role is greater than everybody else's role And all we care about is our thing and not the thing. It's a lot like marriage. When when we find ourselves in a place where we're frustrated with the experience, all we begin to do is show up for the paycheck, the benefits, not the responsibility. I'll say it this way we will divorce the mission in order to preserve our position. We'll, we'll, We'll divorce the mission of what marriage is. We'll divorce the mission of what our company stands for so that we can preserve the responsibility, our position in which we have. You'll see it with people inside of your company. They're walking around like, no, look at what I'm doing. Look how great I am. Well, hey, we need you to do it this way. No, we ain't doing it that way. Now all of a sudden you can't tell them anything to make it better for the overall company. They just want to make sure that their, their position is good. And you'll find this in marriage where people start putting on a facade. Oh, well, things are good. How are you doing? Oh, great. It's awesome. <laughs> we love each other so much. <laughs> what are they doing? They're, they're, they're protecting and preserving the position that things are good. <laughs> and then you get in the car and you quickly realize it ain't good. <laughs> we will put on the facade in order to protect the position. We're a good wife. We're a good husband. We're good. But what are we doing? We're divorcing literally the mission of the home to be united for the purposes of building family. Being united that we can raise children. That they would know what God's word says. They would know how to lead. And when they're older, they will not depart from it. Now here's the deal. I'm gonna jump into eight things here that may be indicators that your marriage is a mess today. I'm going to say eight things, okay? We're going to put them up. Okay, this is a time where you do not want to, like, if you are in a relationship right now, even the smallest little sound that you make is, they know, okay? (laughs) They know what you're saying, okay? (laughs) This is not a time where you look at them like, hey, take a picture, right? (laughs) These are indicators that your marriage is a mess and there's a problem. These are indicators, these are just indicators, though, okay? These are indicators that say, oh, we got a problem. Yo, Jesus can solve it, okay? It's, it's, not, it's not out of the reach of Jesus to restore the relationship. But you do need to know that there's a problem. Because sometimes we will live for a long period of time just sweeping this stuff under the rug, thinking like, oh, it's okay. Oh, you know, our marriage is just maturing. But the reality is your marriage is not maturing. <laughs> your marriage is falling apart. And it's just a matter of time before divorcing the mission and holding the position. It'll ultimately become to divorcing you and not giving a rip about the position anymore. So, eight things inside of here. Let's see what the eight things are. What are these eight things? You're always criticizing each other. There was a time when you could not stop talking about what you loved them about, what you loved in them. Oh, you are so kind, you are so loving. Oh, you are amazing. Then what happens? You can't do the dishes. <laughs> right? You smell. Take a shower. Right? We start saying, I could go into a lot more than that, but we'll keep it superficial and funny for right now. But the, what's the reality? We are all encouragement, but things quickly turn towards criticism. We stop looking at what we love in them when we start looking at what we don't like in them. And it, beca- it consumes us. It becomes the perspective in which we look. We no longer look for value and beauty. We look for, um, we look for uh, faults and failures. Woo, scary. Intimacy has stopped. No longer getting physical. You have the same arguments over and over, and dare I say, over again. Similar to that, you don't argue anymore, Maybe. You've already argued enough that you've, apathy has slipped into your relationship, so you don't care enough to even have the conversation. It's not going to change anything, so who cares? What is another one? You don't enjoy spending time together. Hey, let's go on a date. I'd rather not. That's a big one right there. If you're not dating ever, that's a problem. Oftentimes, we'll believe that our most important responsibility in the home is to our children. It's a lie of the enemy. Your most important responsibility in the home is to your spouse. The quality of that relationship will determine the quality of your kids. The enemy will lie to you. There's a lot of people that get absorbed in kids. They can't stand their spouse. The enemy's just rotten it away. The family's just rotten. Slowly but surely, rotten. Oh, it may look good, but just wait for that storm to come. It's gonna blow that tree over and you're saying, "Man, something was eating at those roots." Yeah, yeah. <sighs> the enemy loves this. You start keeping secrets. Whoa, glory to Lord. You're thinking about what life would be like with someone else. Because you're so frustrated with the circumstance, you begin to fantasize about something else. The enemy loves to use this world. The pain that you're in, he will highlight another and will run from one pain to the next. Last one. They're not the first person you call when you have an issue. Man, let this sink in just a little bit. You could be having one or two or three, seven of these, eight of these. Maybe you're dealing with all of these. Uh, Let me just be real with you. Your marriage is in a really tough spot. If this was a dashboard, your, your, your red light would be on right now. Your engine is overheating. You're on the brink of breakdown. If you don't do something about it, you may not be able to go very much further. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. The enemy will keep you blinded to the reality of what you are walking in for the hope that you will never wake up and realize the, the vulnerability or the, realize the, the, the state of how fragile your relationship is. And one day you're going to wake up and say, what happened? I, never, I didn't see it. Let me just shake you real quick. If in, I mean you got any of these things going on, they're redeemable, but let it be indicators that man something is not right, and we got to do something about it. So for me as a pastor, what I do is I don't get into the grandiose. It's all over, and this is oh my gosh, you know sky is falling. It's things need to change. And if things need to change, God has a solution to the change. We just got to get back to the original design. God has a design around marriage. Maybe just humanity has divorced the design that God has for marriage. And today we're living in the fruit of man-made ideas because we've divorced God's design. We've divorced God's design. God has a design in which it should happen. And let me just tell you the first thing I would start off with here today is humility. Humility is the personal place for relational success. Humility is, the, relation, is the, the personal place for relational success. It's humility. Let, let me show you in Genesis 2 why humi- humility is so important. Because at the start, there was a place in which we had to operate, in which God placed us here into the garden, in which he created and said, don't do X, Y, and Z. Don't eat from this tree. Don't do this thing. And man had to say, I respect the authority and the design that God has, he placed me in this beautiful place, and now I can't do something, and I respect it, so I'm going to be humble, not to think that I'm, I know better. I don't want to allow pride to come into my heart and be like, who's God to think that he could tell me what to do? I own this place. I tend this place. This is my garden. And we lose sight that God is the creator over the garden that has placed us inside of that garden. And it's humility that keeps us in a place to honor God and the design in which he has that we don't do, but we do do the things that he has called us to. Let me just show you in Genesis 2 the fundamentals of this. I'll pull two things out of it. Fundamentals, and we'll read all the way to verse 25, 15 through 25. It says, The Lord God placed man, the man in the garden of Eden, Uh, to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You eat its fruits, you are sure to die. That's just the sin conversation right there. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for what? Man to be alone. The first thing inside of here, looking at humanity after creation, man is by himself And the Bible would tell us that it is not good for man to be alone. Number one, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll I'll jump into more of this in just a second. Uh, It goes on to say after this, the second thing, what does he say? It's not good to be alone, so what will I do? I will create a helper. Who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground of all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the, uh, to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one of them. So Adam's just there spitting names. If you want to you wanna say, God, why in the world did you name this thing a zebra? Don't blame it on God, blame it on Adam, okay? do get frustrated with him. Alright, go on. Uh, next over, it says he gave names of uh, to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, all the wild animals, but still. There was no helper just right for him. Hear it in here. Man, there still was no need a helper. Not good to be alone. There was not a, uh, a good one through creation of animals. So what is God? But still, there was not a helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib And he brought her to the man, falls asleep, rib out. So here's an interesting thought. I won't dive into it too much today, but I think it's interesting that God created from nothing, something in all of creation. But when it came to a woman, a woman, he took it from man. Isn't that interesting? From man taken in order to create a woman. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, which isn't necessarily PC. So at least, or at last, the, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman, which I like to joke about, is, he, when he saw her, he was like, whoa, man. it looks like whoa. <laughs> she looking good. Hello, somebody. Now, isn't it funny? This is often how, what we think on our wedding day. What's happened? Just throwing it out there. Because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into uno, See, Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Isn't this awesome? The original intent, the design behind, when it's imperfection, there is no shame. Come on, how many of us in our marriages today, you got some shame rolling in your game? One. What happens? It's pain, it's experience, it's lack of trust. All of a sudden, there's shame in the game. We may walk out on our wedding night like, say, what? And we get 10 years in, and all of a sudden, it's like, I don't... Do you see me as I should be seen? What's happened? First thing is, humility is the start of the journey. It is not good for man to be alone. Let me just... Hear me today. As fundamental as this is, hear me today. It is not good for man to be alone. God did not design man to do it alone. Not one of us inside of this place are called to live life alone. God looked at man and said, man, look at what you are doing here on this earth. It is not good for you to be alone. Let me create for you a helper for the responsibility. Two things I think inside of here. God looked at man and said, man, you need somebody to help you emotionally. You need a companion. You need somebody to process with. You ever seen somebody that does not have a friend in their lives? Like they are all alone, and usually their stuff don't stink. They have nobody to speak into their lives to tell them, hey, you are really messing this up right now. You are really, you know, an arrogant, self-righteous, stuck-up selfish person, a companion that you get a mirror in that picture to say, hey, hey, you're not as good as you think you are. Hey, you need some work inside of your life. You probably shouldn't have said it that way. Heather says that to me all the time. I'm probably sure to have a good conversation today with her. But she's my, my helpmate. She's my soulmate. She's the, the person that is with me on the journey. I trust her. I respect her. I honor her. I value her opinion sometimes. And all of, <laughs> most of the time, I'm trying, okay? I'm a sinful man. But that's well, reality, right? It, it's, it's, we need, it's not good to be alone. How many times you find yourself alone and all of a sudden you become your own worst enemy? Self-loathing. Oh, we see the flaws. You look in the mirror. All you're doing is seeing the flaws, but it's good for somebody else to come along and be like, girl, you got it together. Because the enemy wants to step in to determine your value. But, man, when you got a companion to come along and say, you are far greater than whatever the enemy is speaking into your world, we are emotionally supported. Amen? (laughs) Amen. That's good. Amen. Clap about it. Yeah. So it's not good to be alone. We need emotional support to live a successful life. To be successful, I mean, obviously, some of you guys in here, you're doing it alone, and maybe you experience this. You need some emotional support. Maybe you guys are in the in-between. You're going from one relationship to a companionship or whatever it may be. This is awareness to say, man, it's not good for me to be alone. God's going to set it up. There's a future that he has for you. Um, But also on the other side of that, it's not good to be alone, but it's, I'm going to create a helpmate for you. So humility is, I need somebody. Yeah. Humility is, I need somebody to help me. <laughs> it is she came along for the journey to help in building family? That's why woman was created. The responsibility is ne- needed for somebody to be and help on the journey of building family. Yeah. So God's design, how he's put it, not good to be alone, and we need to help me. Now here, I'll, I'll speak to both genders right now, male and female in here. It is not good to be alone, humility, selfless. You need a helper. You can't do it by yourself. As a husband, there are certain things that you bring to the family dynamic that is needed for your family. On the other side of that, as a woman in the family dynamic, there are certain things you bring to the family dynamic that is needed in God's design for the family, It's respecting those places and those positions to say, I'm just going to submit and walk in humility toward the design that God has so that we can do what God has called us to do to build a family that knows God's word, that understands what truth is, and man, is making a difference inside of a generation. So those are the two things I would pull out inside of here, that it's not good to be alone. You've got to know that. So anytime you're starting to think, I'm going to do this on my own, I'm going to go about it and do it myself. Well, I don't need nobody. I don't, that is not the design God has. And whenever you think you can just do it on your own, well, I don't need this person in my life, I don't need this person in my life, God has designed it where we are helpers on the journey, co-laboring together to build family. God's design is man leaving father and mother, woman being connected and united in order to build Fundamental responsibility of humanity, be fruitful and multiply. The only way we're fruitful, man and woman, woman, coming together and be like, yo, what's up? (laughs) Hey, you want to do this God-designed thing? Let's do the God-designed thing, right? And then let's build humanity. Now, it's uh, information that puts us in a place to individually be good. God's designed coming together to build family beyond career, beyond calling, beyond talent. Before all of that, man and woman has a responsibility. Be fruitful, multiply, build family that knows the Lord and is is, uh, uh, ruling and reigning here on this earth. We're doing what God has called us to do now. Number two, if you want to write it down, a marriage's strength is built on biblical truth. Information is driving an understanding that choices and decisions are being made in alignment with the truth, not a truth. We live in a world where there's so many different truths out there that nobody even knows why what they're doing anymore. Oh, I just do it this way. I do it that way. No, God's got a design behind the information, truth, in the beginning was the word, word was, word was with God, the word was God. Speaking towards Jesus, a light shone into the world. Jesus was in the beginning, Jesus is the word, and the word is here to instruct us on how we should live. Jesus said, would say when he was here, if you build your life on my teachings, it doesn't matter what storms come inside of life, you are on a firm foundation and you can build your life. So if I had an illustration here, what I would do is I would draw this, which I have on my board in my office right now. I'd say, Jesus, I put underneath it the word, because in the beginning was the word. The word is God's word and God's language put in human ability to understand on how we should live. And if an individual is building on Jesus, his teaching, his way of living, his thinking, his selfless uh, perspective on life, loving people and gracefully um, uh, encountering people. I mean, if you build upon the teachings of Jesus, you got a firm foundation. But what happens in our society today? You get some people that have a firm foundation in Jesus, unequally yoking with people that do not. Well, they look really good. They had a really good facade on the outside. They look like they had it all together, but yet they did not check the foundation. You know, if, if they do an inspection on a house but do not check the foundation, you can see the value of the house based on what's on the inside. But if you look at that foundation, it could be deemed, uh, or, uh, it could be deemed. Inhabitable because the foundation is off. The foundation is what is the belief system? So young people inside of here, are you building your life on Jesus Christ? Are you building it on his teachings? Are you building it on his identity over your life? Are you in a place where you are healed, restored, redeemed? Or are you in this place where you're emotional wrecked? Everything you feel is driving the decision which you make. There's truth and the truth isn't informing it. So today you are in the hands of the enemy that if somebody can make you feel some type of way, you will compromise your values in order to get something you believe to be good. That's why when you are solid in your foundation, it doesn't matter what chump comes along, what facade it looks like, if his, if his living or her living aren't in alignment with the truth, you know the foundation is jacked up. Say, like, get out of the weight room, buddy. You probably need to get into the word, Right? That weight room is looking good on the outside, but you are lacking wisdom and understanding of what truth is, and your decisions are out of alignment with my value system. So I will not compromise in order to get a look because I want strength in a foundation. Right? The Bible will tell us clearly that looks fade. And I can tell you right now, maybe not with my wife, but looks fade. (laughs) Throw it out there, right? It's the foundation. And when two foundations come together and they're strong... Now you can build because it's information that's instructing how we should be together. But also there's information instructing on how we, in marriage, there's information instructing on how we parent. It's information that we build the foundation of family on. It's God's word. You can't get around it. But sometimes we come to relationships and marriages with the wrong perspective. We show up with the wrong perspective. You know we show up with the wrong perspective? We show up with a generational perspective. Well, this is the way my parents did it, so this is how I'm going to do it. If I asked you today, don't raise your hand, but I could probably ask the question, who in here your dad was not in the home when you were being raised? It'd probably be more than half this room. Why? Because there was dysfunction in the last generation that brought dysfunction to this generation for there's a wrong belief system on how relationship and marriage should operate. How many of your parents, your mom wasn't inside of the home, your dad was a single dad, whatever it was. More than likely, there's a few of us inside of here that has that reality. What what I'm trying to get at is there's dysfunction that has created behaviors that now are seen. And since we lack the information of God's word on how we should conduct ourselves, we will come to a marriage with the wrong perspective, doing things that we should not be doing, saying things we should not be saying, treating each other as we should not be treating each other. But we believe that's the way to do it. It's the way I saw it. It's the way my dad did it. My dad loved my mom this way. My mom respected my dad this way, so that's why I'm doing this. But there's a better way. There's a biblical way. right? There's better understanding. Our perspective as we step in cannot inform the the reality in which we are living in here today. It should be God's word. If God is not at the foundation of our decisions, we should say, man, okay, I came from a messed up home. I need the information of God's word to transform me so that I can be present in my marriage to be what God's design, to live out what God's design is for the marriage. If I'm a woman, I'm coming as a wife into the marriage with a certain role responsibility for strength inside of this marriage. I don't want culture's ideas. I want God's word's ideas. So the second thing I was saying there is we can come culturally. We can come with cultural show up, right? I would call it the cultural show up. It's what I saw on the movies, and that's what I saw on the TV show, and and I heard it in this song. This is what love is, and this is what marriage is, and this is what you know, I just got to buy the card and the flowers, and it's all good. We have these ideas around what is right or wrong. You know, one of the stupidest things I've heard in culture is, oh, he's sleeping on the couch tonight. One of the stupidest things ever. Because the Bible says don't let, don't let, uh, anger or the sunset on your anger, right? Don't even leave a little bit of anger. Don't even allow a little crack of sin to be, uh, to, to, uh, to be existent. Deal with it, right? But we'll live in a culture here today where we will say very ignorant things, void of God's truth, simply because we don't know it and we're just trying, we're frustrated, we're mad, we're selfish. My ideas and what I think, get out of here, whatever it may be. And here's the deal there, this is crazy. There are literally men that are <laughs> have no clue what the word says, so they will lack a backbone and completely allow the manipulation of humanity in order to lead them to a place where they will be ostracized, they will be devalued, they will be, uh, <laughs> you know, all kinds of stuff. Simply because they don't have a man to say, you know what? That's not what the God's word says. You know, I want to live out what God's word says, and I want us to deal with this issue. And I'm going to come in here humble. I'm not here to lord it over you, but I'm here to submit into this process to say, we want a healthy marriage, and we want to sleep in the same bed tonight, and we're going to do what's necessary in order to resolve this issue. But how many nights will we go sleepless, sleeping in a different rooms simply because the enemy through culture has been able to lie to us on our behaviors and our actions rather than walking in humility of God's design that it's not good to be alone? created a helpmate whenever you have challenges you fix it you deal with the issues you got cultural lies that enter into the marriage dynamic that we believe and we laugh about them (laughs) so funny and it's not anytime culture enters a bad idea that's not biblical in a movie a show call it out that's a lie of the enemy destroying the next generation. We will not live according to a lie. We are informed by the truth. Our truth will build our foundation as individuals. Our truth will build the foundation of our marriage. Our truth will help us lead our children. Our truth will help us lead generations. Amen? We're going to be informed by the truth of God's word. The last thing I would say is trauma. Trauma, you're showing up with trauma. And maybe you're in a second marriage, and and trauma is a real thing. Maybe you're in a relationship that was super toxic. And you were mistreated, devalued. You were, completely, um, uh, you were completely hurt in the process, whatever it may be, male or female. And you're showing up into a relationship, and one person's got to walk on eggshells because you're hurting on the inside based on what somebody did to you in the past. You're, you're sensitive today when, somebody, when, you, when your spouse says something because you're thinking about somebody else and what they said, not about what, not about what he is saying or she is saying. And today there's this trauma that you're showing up into the relationship, and man, it's, it's causing challenges and issues. You're not on the same page. You're always having to think through, well, how are they going to receive this? What are they going to think if I say this? And now all of a sudden you've got all this thinking going on outside of how are we building. So you've got the trauma, but we should be building on godly. We should show up with a godly perspective, a selfless, godly perspective, I would say that. Um... Now, here's the deal. Let's see. I'm going to jump into Ephesians 5, and I'm going to jump into the front part of this, Ephesians 5, on how we're showing up to this godly perspective, role, responsibility. And I'm going to give the fundamentals because next week I'm going to jump into the reality of it uh, and what it fully says. Okay? So in Ephesians 5, it would say this in verse number 21. It says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When it comes to a spirit-driven marriage... Paul's leading to us right here, inspired by God, to write this right here for believers is, in a spirit-guided marriage, this is how a husband and a wife operate. They submit to one another out of their reverence for Christ. We're saved and redeemed by Jesus Christ. So we come as husband and as wife in submission to each other for the purpose bigger than ourselves. Now, the second statement inside of here is, for wives, this means submit to your husband, and that's where people go crazy on right? <laughs> right. <laughs> what, right? We'll talk about it next week. We'll get into this. But the, the fundamental inside of here is husband and wife both submit. Yeah, yeah. Both of you guys submit. It's not one or the other. It's both but you both got two different roles to play. So that's the beauty inside of it. It's both submit out of your reverence for Christ because you believe in the design of marriage that God has. So you're humble and you're selfless and you believe in God's design because you're living upon God's word and you're willing to do what you need to do because you want health inside of your marriage, regardless of what is being asked of you. Why? Because God's word says it and I'm willing to submit my life to Jesus Christ out of reverence for Jesus Christ because I've submitted to him, I'm coming in submission to my marriage, husbands towards our wives, wives towards our husbands. We're submitting to it. The last part of this would say, so again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Whoo. Now, this is challenging because of experience. Some of us are sitting here today We're like, he don't deserve respect, you don't know what he did. I don't, I care, but I don't know what he's done. Well, she don't deserve love. You don't understand what she's done. I don't, I do care, but I believe in dysfunction, a lot of bad behaviors happen. And so if we're here today saying, well, look what they've done, but we haven't been in submission. We haven't been in submission as a husband. If we if if we haven't been in submission to the marriage dynamic, the design that God has, I can only imagine the dysfunction that's going on inside of this room right now. I can only imagine the things that you said to her. I can only imagine the things that you said to him. I can only imagine the things that have been done. Because if we're not in submission, then we're out of the alignment with authority. And the authority has called us to be righteous, honorable, loving. We set a commitment, right? Faithful. Throughout a submission, the actions are going to be far different than God's expectation, for sure. I'm not surprised by it. But here's the deal. Own it. Own it. I love in our church is Will and Laura Ruiz. Two years ago, sitting in a message similar to this, they were in a broken spot on the verge of divorce. Papers were already drawn up. But God. But God. But God did what? God convicted. Both of them. said, man, we've been doing this thing wrong. We, we're, we're off inside of our lives. What's going on? Laura would sit here to say, Laura Ruiz would sit here and say, I am a completely different person. I used to be this, that, the other. I was angry, I was this. She would she would tell you all that she was in that marriage that brought dysfunction to it. Will would do the same. The beauty of where they're at today is because of the humility to say, I've been doing it wrong the whole time. I've been doing it wrong. What happened? I got caught up, man. I just got caught up in life and marriage and situation. I got caught up and in my heart became you know, messed up and my perspective uh, was off and I, my actions did not represent the commitment that I made on my wedding day and today we're living in the dysfunction of my decisions. They're out where they're at because they own it. I'm saying today, if you are in a mess of a marriage, own it because your only option It's frustration, being alone. You can have a contract living in the same home, but you are alone. You don't have a helper. You got a roommate. But that's not God's design. And today you may be living according to the, the plan of the enemy in order to rob your family of the mom and dad that your kids deserve. Because you're unwilling to accept your selfishness, your pride. It's going back to the original sin. Who is God to tell us what we can't do? Stepped out of alignment and hell broke loose. If you're out of alignment in your marriage and you're not in submission to the mission that God has for your family, hell is gonna break loose. But owning it says, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of the glory of God and I need Jesus Christ to be my savior. I'm going to turn from my sin and I'm gonna turn towards God. The same thing in your marriage. I'm gonna turn towards my selfish ideas and I'm gonna turn towards God and his design and I'm gonna humble myself to say I messed up and I failed you. If you know your marriage is in a mess right now and you don't have the I ain't going to say it, but you don't have the, the courage or the strength to say, I'm sorry. You're caught up and the enemy is captivated, your mind and your heart. You're living a life of sin. You need to turn from your selfish, sinful ways. You need to get into humility and submission to Jesus Christ so you can submit inside of your marriage that your life can be transformed, that your family can get what it deserves out of you. What does it take for a generation to get what it needs? Is for one generation to submit to the design. We have a whole generation of fatherless kids running around. They don't know how to live because there isn't fathers that know the truth and have lived it for them. You have a bunch of men running around with the maturity of boys expecting to raise men. bunch of boys running around in adult bodies not committed their word is not their word their yes is not their yeses their nos are not their nose they aren't committed in covenant with nothing they're in submission to nothing i love how manny arango says it. he says man the most men that that demand submission usually are the ones that aren't in submission and they demand it of their wives but they're not in submission to nobody not a pastor nobody in there not, not submitted to nothing but they demand it over others It takes a generation to rise up, because I'll tell you this, the enemy is after the next generation. No doubt. That's why it takes believers to rise up and say, we're going to do it God's way so he doesn't get this generation. Do you have the humility to say, I'm sorry? Do you have the humility to say, I've been off? Do you have the humility to say, God, I'm sorry. I failed you, and I failed this marriage covenant. And you can humbly come in and say, man, forgive me. What I want to do today is I'm going to do two things to close this out. One, if your marriage is a mess, it is not absent of restoration. If you're willing to turn, if you're willing to submit, if you're willing to ask for forgiveness, you're not out of the reach of Jesus Christ and the restoration that he wants to bring to your family and to your life. So I want to pray over your marriage today. If it is a mess, it's in a broken place, I want to pray over you. And the Holy Spirit begin to minister to your heart, wherever you're at, male or female in here, begin to minister to you and your marriage. So goes the marriage, so goes society. So goes the marriage, so goes the church. It is immensely important So I believe and I stand firm in the strength that can happen in your marriage. It's going to bless our city. It's going to bless our church. When you're walking and right standing with your spouse, build an incredible family according to his word. So if you're here and you're married, just grab their hand real quick. If you're not sitting next to them, you got the kids in between them, let's change that. Sit next to them. But just grab your, your spouse's hand right now. These are the hands that you held on your wedding day. The hands that you held and said, I commit to this. I'm gonna be here. I am with you. You are my best friend. You are my spouse, right? We are covenant relationship. These are hands I'm holding that we're gonna build life together. Let's hold these hands let's believe that the intentions that you came to that wedding day with is the reality of what you will live in from this day forward, amen? So God, we come to you, Lord. We understand humanity. We're fallen, we're broken people. God, we wanna go our own way. We wanna walk in selfishness and pride, God. Father, in our, in our inability, In our dysfunction, God, we have the ability to destroy beautiful things. You have a design around marriage, God, that is beautiful, God, and we trust your design, Lord, and today we come to a place to humble ourselves, submit to your design, God, deny ourselves, step into a place of selfishness, selflessness, God. And Father, we wanna honor this commitment we are walking in here today. Father, for a husband in here, your word would lean in and tell us, this is loving our wives as you love the church. Father, for wives in here, this is respecting our husband, trusting him. So Lord, I pray for every infraction, every broken circumstance, in these marriages. Every idle word that came out of frustration that cut hearts deep. Every action that was done in vengeance that has brought destruction to these marriages, God. Father, I pray what the enemy has meant for harm, there will be a learning lesson. Every circumstance will be restored. Every circumstance will have a testimony, God every situation will speak, will speak to the strength of this marriage, God. That Father, you're gonna take these things that were meant for harm, and you will use it to build this marriage. You will build it, you will use it, God, to build strength into this marriage, to unite their hearts greater. Father, to trust each other more, to lean in on each other more, God, that there would be this this connection in their relationship, God, that brings unity. God, your word says a house divided will not stand, but God, I pray today for unity inside of this house, that there's unity in this house coming together, that there's strength coming to this marriage, that the foundation is being solidified. Father, the foundation is being repaired. And Lord, from this day forward, in a selfless perspective, with a humble heart, the mission to the mission will happen for the strength of the, f- the families in this house. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen, and amen, amen, amen. We're believing it over your marriage. We're believing it. Now here's the deal. Marriage, if you think back to whenever you were going to get married, there's so much excitement around that day. I think Heather and I planned it out a year I mean, we really planned it out for a long time, much more than a year, but she planned it for like a year, all the details. We knew for a long, long time. I think she asked me to marry her when we were like in high school still. Just, you know. <laughs> but the deal is, there's so much excitement around this day. We you know what happens? We forget the commitment we made. If you think about on your wedding day, the things that you say Towards that other person. Wow. Can you, can you remember what you said in your wedding vows? Anybody? Yeah, I, so. I didn't think so. Got an idea right somewhere in there. So, this is what I want to do today for us and our church. If you are married here today, I want us to re-say our vows together. I'm gonna to speak it in a past tense because you already said it. I'm gonna speak it for the present tense because we're committing. And I'm going to speak towards the future tense because we are going to be here in Jesus' name. But if you're married inside of here, what I want you to do, stand up and look at your beautiful bride and your beautiful groom in the eyes. Come on, everybody, you get to witness this massive. <laughs> Heather, come on up, Ben. She was not ready for this today. She did not know I was doing this. But we're going to say this because here's the deal. There's beautiful things that we committed to on our wedding day. Well, here's the reality. We have an uncanny ability to forget things. Something about our humanity, we're dying every single day. At the age of 25, like literally the growth inside of our life stops and we just die. Nothing's growing anymore, we're just slowly dying. It's terrible. So with that, our memory goes. So we're going to remember the commitment that we made. On this day so i'm going to say this you say all the husbands you're going to repeat after me because we go first it's our commitment you look beautiful babe on our wedding (laughs) come on remember what did that day look like was it rainy was it sunny ours was like gloomy not great um but the marriage has been great um so (laughs) glad the day's not an indication of how it's going but say this husbands repeat after me i so and so whoever you are I Brent right here grab your let me see your hands have taken you so and so Heather to be my wife I will honor my commitment and treasure our friendship I loved you on our marriage day I love you on this day and the next and forever I trust and honor you, I laugh and cry with you. I share my life openly and honestly with you. Whatever may come, I will always be here. On this day forward, I recommit to be true to you in joy and in sorrow, in plenty And in one, I promise you my trust, my devotion, my tenderness, and my love. As I've given you my hand to hold, so I give you my life to keep. All right. Ladies, repeat after me. All right. I, so and so, take you, so and so. to be my husband. Have taken you to be my husband. There you go. It's already happened, yeah. I will honor my commitment and treasure you and our friendship. I loved you on our marriage day. I love you on this day. The next and forever. I trust and honor you. I laugh and cry with you. And I share my life openly and honestly with Whatever may come, I will be here. On this day forward, I recommit to be true to you in joy and in sorrow, in plenty and in one. I promise you to my trust, my devotion, my tenderness, and my love. As I've given you my hand to hold, I give you my life to keep. You may kiss your bride. Amen. Kiss them. <laughs> give them a good kiss. Like a really good one. A really good kiss. Amen. And as I do with all my couples, that wasn't good enough. Kiss them one more time. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. Hey, whoa. Whoa. Calm down. Amen. Come on. Can we give it up for all of our couples in the house? Amen. 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 Now, if you want to come to a reception, pick a very nice place that maybe has a live band, you know, get the full effect going on. (laughs) Let somebody know where you're going for your reception. Just invite them with you. Amen. Just enjoy the whole thing. It's amazing. But here's the deal. There's power in marriage. We just can't get off. We can't lose sight as we get, uh, as we start leading lives and we have experience. The challenging thing about hurt is it will consume us. Rather than seeking healing, we will begin to hurt others. We don't want that in our marriages. We want strong, healthy marriages built upon the design that God has, submission to the mission of that marriage. Now, maybe you're single inside of here and you are in waiting. Amen. Wait well. Get yourself ready. Make sure your foundation is good. Amen. Amen. Make sure your foundation is good. Maybe you're in here today and you've gone from one season to the next. You were married and now you are not, whatever the circumstances may be. There's healing over the past, but man, we believe that God has a powerful, beautiful future for you. So don't let the circumstances today destroy you. Trust God that he has a plan and a design for your life, and those plans are good. Amen. Next week, we're going to jump into the hard conversation of when separation is necessary. So I don't know if you want to bring your friends for that because I don't want anybody to be like, about time, you know. It's like the worst thing in the world. And like, go watch this week first before you come next week Um, because we are a church that stands firm in the truth of God's word and we want no one to separate what God has brought together. Um, But there are circumstances in which it is necessary uh, and we're going to have a full conversation about that next week. Amen. All right, Pastor Greg, take us away. We love you. Our Pastor Noe, there you go. Take us away, my
1: man. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to jump into a time of giving. There's stories you can give here at Pearl Street Church. That's happening right behind us. Uh, but just like Pastor Faith said this, uh, this beginning of service, we, it is Baptism Sunday. And so in this next service, we have uh, four people that are getting baptized on Sunday. on Sunday. Yeah, today. And I'm reminded of the scripture in uh, Philippians 3.13. says, now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. We have an individual that's getting baptized in this next service and he talked about that how he struggled with anxiety and depression um, even even so much so that he even thought about killing himself even thought about suicidal thoughts Um, but he walked into these doors broken with anxiety and depression, got around a community of people and Jesus has transformed his life and today he's going public with his faith and saying man I'm taking my next step, I'm leaving anxiety I'm leaving depression and I am an overcomer in Jesus Christ and so we're excited for baptisms today and so through our obedience to giving we get to create opportunities just like that every single weekend and so today's gonna be awesome here at the 1230 service it's gonna be amazing a few announcements we do have we do have student takeover in a couple of weeks. So not next week, but on June 5th. So mark your calendars. That student takeover is gonna be legit. We're gonna have baptisms happening with students. So third third grade all the way to seniors. It's gonna be incredible. You'll see some seniors and some high schoolers and middle schoolers serving in um, just all, at all capacities, even here on the platform. So it's gonna be incredible. You don't wanna miss it this June 5th. Outside of that, we love you guys. Have an incredible time. We do have some time. So we have about 10 minutes that you can mingle and talk with your neighbor because our next service is at 1230. Usually it's like, get out of here. We got to get the next service in. But we have changed our services. So go ahead meet with someone, talk to them, have some community moment at this time. But outside of that, we love you guys. Have an incredible Sunday.